G'day everyone, welcome to Barreled Surf Podcast, brought to you by Cheeky Monkey Brewing Co. Nami here with you as usual, welcome to the show. This week we have Adzi Kennedy catching up with local Mark River legend, Billy Gibson having a great chat about the, the old days in the region and uh, Billy's history in the Mark River board riders and uh, yeah, all the old days and some classic tales, some classic Adzi tales with Billy Gibson, so one to really get your teeth into and enjoy that one. Before we do get on with the show, just want to mention that uh, Luke Gerson took out the chocolates in the Barrel Surf Podcast League in the WSL Fantasy, the Pipeline Masters with John John Florence winning. We'll get your prize pack, Luke. Don't worry about that. Congratulations. Looks like the Sunset event and also the competition in Santa Cruz has been cancelled due to all the COVID stuff going on around the world. So not a huge surprise, I guess. Um, and before we do get on with the show, just want to shout out to Janny Beard, a charity that's put on by a good friend of mine, James Baird. The idea is for you to grow yourself a beard, put some money into the Children's Cancer Institute coffers and uh, yeah, grow a nice beard while you're doing that. So check out jannybeard.com. It's on Facebook and Instagram and all those ones. Anyway, that's enough from me and it's on with the show. <laughs> Okay, well, I am uh, sitting in my shed once again. My name's Adzi. I'm sitting here for Barreled Surf Podcast. Uh, it is a Sunday afternoon, uh, middle of winter, 2020. Uh, a bit cold and grey out there, but uh, at least it's not raining today. And anyway, today I have the good fortune of having an old friend of mine, both in age and uh, and length of our friendship. No, he's not that old, but... Uh, Mate, I've got a good friend of mine called Billy Gibson from Margaret River. How you going there, Billy? Yeah, good, Adji. Yeah, real good. Wicked. Thanks for coming up and uh, having a beer with me, mate, and uh, talk some surf stories. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So, um, Billy's from Margaret River. Uh, he has been down there surfing for a very long time. He's been surfing for a very long time in general and has a lot of stories uh, and a lot of experience in the world of surfing. So... Um, mate, we'll see what sort of stories we can get out of him today. Uh, we probably don't have time to get them all out, but hopefully we get a get a couple out, and um, yeah, should be fun. So hope you guys uh, enjoy listening to it. Um, I know I'm going to have fun having a beer and talking to me old mate Billy. So Billy, we will start where we start with everybody, uh, mates. When were you born? What's your name, and where do you live now? Okay, uh, I was born in 1955. Yep. Uh, I was born in Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. Oh, yeah. And uh, in my younger life, I travelled up and down the coast. And uh, with my father, he was a dredge master and he dredged harbours and set up breakwaters on the east coast. So your dad basically created sandbanks for everyone, did he? Basically. Oh, he I was guess. a sandbank man. Yeah, it's already <laughs> falling into place. It <laughs> fell into place. There's no worries whatsoever. Classic. So we went wherever there was... Uh, Surf threatening the coast. Yeah, so, um, basically, um, yeah, I grew up around waves. Uh, yep. And then 
when I was about uh, 10 years old, my father got a job uh, in Port Hedland, dredging the Port Hedland, oh, no right. waves, okay. but uh, uh, we moved to Western Australia and um, and moved into an area in Scarborough, which was a couple of streets back from the beach, and that's where I started really getting into surfing. Okay, there you go. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, so Billy, uh, born in, what, 55, was it? 55, yeah. Yep. And uh, he's living in Margaret River now, uh, pretty much retired now, oh, sort of, sort Pretty of. close. Pretty, you know. one, one foot in either camp. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there you go. Well, um, I, I was going to ask, uh, I knew you were from the East Coast originally, and I, I assumed that you'd driven over in your early 20s on a surf pilgrimage, but no, it was different than that. So you, uh, yeah, the, the dad got a job in Port Hedland, which uh, for people who don't know is... Um, uh, up on the northern coast of Western Australia. It's a mining town, very hot, uh, pretty inhospitable place. Um, and, uh, yeah, you ended up in Perth because of that, following the family when you were 10. So, uh, mate, was it was he working FIFO or...? Oh, no. No, no. It was... That was six-month stints, wow. basically. And, um, yeah, you might get compassionate leave now and again for... Uh, horrendous situations you know which it would have but, been in but the you know my mother my mother uh drove across australia uh she got to south australia and then she freaked out she had four kids in the car wow and uh she freaked out and dad came and met her in adelaide and they drove the nullarbor um before before it was bitumized obviously yeah, gravel track in, in an old ej hydromatic uh Holden, so beautiful. Yeah, unreal. Yeah, I would freak out too if I had to drive the Nullarbor plane as a gravel track with four kids in the car. I would definitely freak out, so very understandable. And, uh, <laughs> mate, so then you landed in Scarborough. Yeah, landed in Scarborough, which was uh, which oh, in the hub, in the hub, right in the hub, three, right streets, the back, three streets back from the beach and Housing Commission House, yep. uh, which is now Ritz. You yeah, know, you right. go there now and it's like uh, three stories high. But, yeah, we, we used to play in the sand hills and walk up to the top of the sand hill and check the surf at Ventnor Beach, yeah, right. which was my local sort of surf break, Ventnor. Yeah. Uh, so for those that don't know, Scarborough is a suburb in Perth, Western Australia. Um, it's a beachside uh, suburb that's well sought after now. And, yeah, as Billy said, it's a very expensive area now, but... Uh, Back then, Perth was a small place and uh, it was just a, another suburb and you had the good fortune of being right on the beach. So that, that's where it all began. So tell me how it began, the first surf. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I, I was surfing when I came to West Australia. I'd, I'd, I'd tried different craft. Um, but when I got to Western Australia, the cool light reigned, you know. In, rain in, supreme? In, yeah, rain supreme. Every kid within Kiwi could afford a $5 friggin' Ampol cool light, you know. Ampol. Yeah, I think that Ampol made them as well. What, Ampol, the petrol station. Petrol station, okay, yeah. So your first yeah. board was a cool light, which was pretty common. Yeah. But so I didn't know that they were made by the uh, petrol that, station company. Yeah, well, Ampol. the petrol station company had their logo on some of the cool lights. Okay. They were flat as, uh, no rocker in them. Had kind of a twin keel thing happening through the... Through the tail area. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but we all, we all. Uh, it was the time when mouths were dying. Yep. And there was all sorts of surfboard innovation out there. Yep. Um, but the kids, what we had, 
weren't, weren't boogie boards. They were they were cool lights. Yeah, yeah. Was, so that's a... that's what we learned to ride surf surf on, and um, and we progressed because there were so many so many surfing companies sort of set up around Scarborough. You yep. know, Scarborough was the hub. You yeah. know. The hub of surfing in West yeah, Australia, which yeah. was all pretty new and exciting at the time, I guess. Yes. So they went to the industrial area in Osmond Park and there was, you know, Blacksells were there and uh, there's Hawk Brothers. Yeah, they're all Hawk Brothers as well. Yep. yep. You know, they made everything. They made frigging fiberglass tanks. They made bloody, um, yeah, anything fiberglass, they made it. Yep. Um, the last thing they really knew anything about was making surfboards. They just whacked a few out anyhow. They whacked a few out anyhow. <laughs> and they had the smart nows to employ a few young people that were coming through um, at the time that did know something about surfboards. Murray Smith was one of them. Oh, yeah. Um, and Murray shaped a lot of these uh, hawk surfboards in those early days. You Is know? that right? Yeah. So, and they were always credited to Peter Wright. But right, Peter Hawk. Sorry, okay, yeah. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it'd have a Peter Hawk sticker on it. But it was one of Murray's. All oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we've actually got a Hawk surfboard, a bubble machine, uh, next to us on the ground here. It's uh, yeah, strange looking old single fin with a cool spray that I, I actually own and and Billy fixed up for me. And he was just telling me uh, earlier how the the Hawk company wouldn't let the shapers put their name on it. They sort of claimed them for themselves. So I guess that's uh, one example of that. Yeah, in the early days, uh, yeah, the, they were very protective of their um, Hawk logo and um, a lot of board manufacturers were, the, were exactly the same. Um, probably uh, early 70s, that's all, that's, uh, that all changed. We, re we started to credit the shaper. Yeah, right. Um, the shaper became more... A sought after commodity in the surfing world. It wasn't just a a label. A, a label yep. You know, there was there was lots of labels that were sought after in the area. Yep. But the customer was looking for the shaper. Yeah. Right. He's starting yep. to look for the shaper. Yeah. So, can you uh, remember your first proper board after the cool light? Uh, after the cool light, well, I I cut down a hunker. I cut down a hawk. Oh, did you? <laughs> I cut it's down not a this hawk. one, was it? A Peter Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I took down to a Peter Hawk and I, I cut it down to about five ten. It was horrible. Was um, it? And reglassed yeah, it yourself. Reglassed it myself. How old uh, were you then? You reckon? Oh, I was about fourteen, fifteen. My dad yeah. gave me a hand, and he knew nothing about fiberglass except that. Oh, sweet. In, uh, except he did know a bit about boats, so he was he was like. Uh, he was, uh, uh, he could he could do anything, but he was not the best at everything. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of everything. A bit of everything, yeah, yeah. but not the best that's at everything. That's right, jack of all trades. That's it's right. Just... So she came out um, pretty odd. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. But uh, yeah. it was a start. And, mate, do you reckon the waves were better in Scarborough back in the day? Has there been any... Oh, definitely. This, what was it, all the sand dunes and stuff like that with all the car parks and buildings affected things? Or what, uh, what, why do you... That's one of the things that's influenced um, Scarborough itself. Um, but if you look probably historically, they put the, um, the bridge over to Garden Island... Um, early in the piece to put the naval base over there. Yep, the naval and, base on, yeah, yeah, Garden, on, Island. on yep. Garden Island. And it sort of um, sealed up that sound. And right. I think that 
personally, I, and I'm not, I'm not a scientist, so I don't really know. But yep. I think that it's kind of stopped the flow through through that lagoon, and it is kind of a big lagoon if you look at Perth, Perth Metro beaches. Metro, yeah, you get Garden Island, you get uh, Rotnest little, Island, yeah, Karnak, oh, Karnak, and, yep. Karnak, and then Rotnest Island, and then it goes up towards um, Ventis and uh, I mean. The Mullaloo and that, and yep. it's all outside reef. Yeah, there's a few holes in that reef. Yep, and obviously that's how the swell gets into Scarborough because there's one big hole. Yeah, um, yep. but yeah, it stopped the flow through there. So if you look from City Beach through to Triggs Beach these days, yep. it's a straight line. Yep. and if you look historically, 20, 30 years ago. 50 years ago, sorry. <laughs> Come on, buddy. <laughs> sorry. Oh, if you look 50, look 50 years ago, <laughs> and if you look from City Beach to Triggs, North to Triggs. It, was, it was a hook. It was a big hook. Yeah, right. Um, and now you look at it and it's straight. Yeah, right. So there's a lot of sand. There's a lot of sand, but, you know, whether you get bank on straight beach and, you know. I mean, when I grew up, um, we had a... A drainage system that just went straight into the ocean at City Beach there, yep. and right off that little drain, there was a bank. You yep. know, and I know those things are not right frowned anymore, upon, yeah. frowned upon anymore. But it did form a really good bank, <laughs> and it was like, okay, from there on down, yep. we got banks. You know, yeah, so right. classic. Yeah. So, mate, what are you, some of your um, early memories there surfing around those years? Uh, in your early teenage years, who were you surfing with, and um, who was who were you looking up to, and things like that? Um, gee, uh, the early Scarborough years, there was a few really hot little surfers around, and I suppose um, Steve Fordham's passed away now, but he was one of the best. Um, Russell Caddo surfed really, really well, although he. Still got a crouch that I don't like. You don't like his style? <laughs> don't like yeah. his style. Never yeah. liked his style. But, was, but uh, man, he was he's productive, so I yeah. can't I can't fold it really. Fair enough. After That's, all uh, these years. Uh, all these of, years um Caden uh Caden and um yeah, James, James Caddo, who right. obviously went on to have a pretty big career in the early two thousands. That's James right. Caddo, Cats as he was um, known. But um They so, were two of the early guys, I suppose, around Scarborough area. Um, and few of the older guys, I think I was more influenced by some of the cot guys. Um, yep. And they were a little bit older than me, um, and that's where I came into connection with Georgie Simpson and, um, you know, Phil Taylor. And, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a pile of really hot grommets that grew up around Cottesloe. Yep. Um, they had more... Uh, perfection in waves they didn't probably get as many waves as what we got at scarborough but they isolated is a cracker of a wave and yeah. so so is um the little cove the in the corner there yeah they're left in the corner they're good little waves you know like yeah had a bit more form they form they always yeah. form you so know so allowed them to develop a bit more style i reckon? think so so you know and kansi was growing up in that area as well so in there's Kansas. a lot of those those guys guys came into notice around my late teens i started to look look further afield and a lot of the cot guys were were getting really good you know yep yeah. and uh mate uh, scarborough beach back in the day was pretty infamous for 
for the, what was it, the snake pit, the pub down there <laughs> and the car park and oh, you got yeah. any cool stories you can... Oh, friggin' hell. G- give us a... Uh, uh, jot the memory there. At the, it was, uh, what was it, the bodgies and... Oh, the bodgies and the widgies. Bodgies and the widgies. So what, were the bodgies like the well, bogans? They're, or what they're they? a little bit before my time, but, okay. but I mean, it was still... It's still a wild place, yep. you know. I can remember uh, I was about 14 or something and I'd uh, – we used to hang out at this place, Minnesota Fats, which was down the south end of Scarborough. Was it and a it pub, was, was it? No, it was a uh, – a, uh, a pool hall. A pool hall. A pool hall. A pool hall. <laughs> and later it become pennies, you know. Pinballs. Yeah, yep. pennies and pool hall basically. Okay. Did they and sell? they killed it. They killed I'm it. Sure they, did they serve alcohol back then? No, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. But it was just they just put some cool dude out the front and just attracts people, you know. And yep. penny machines and pool hall was just a recipe for a fourteen year old to go ape shit up the side alley, you know. <laughs> so we we got, I got shit faced one night on I don't know green ginger wine or something <laughs> friggin' horrible, and uh, and the cops came by and. Um, I was, I was rotten, yeah. And I was with another mate. How old were you roughly? Oh, I was fifteen. I reckon I was fifteen. That's the way. And uh, anyway, we took off, and yeah. the cops were in hot pursuit. You know, <laughs> so and what, we've for and no we've, reason they were chasing. Well, you really? I, I don't know. I, I well, remember. other than us being shit faced and fourteen years old, yeah. I don't think anything else. You know, yeah, yeah. it was seemed reasonable to me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, we belted across the road and jumped onto the roof of the uh, Scarborough Surf Lifesaving Club. Yep. Um, and skittled across the roof, and they're still they're still chasing us, and we going, oh, "What the fuck? You know, where we got to go now?" <laughs> anyway, um, I've sort of hung off the gutter and dropped and my mate's done a roll onto the beach. He's trying to he's tried to go two rows of friggin' um railing and yeah. um and and roll onto the beach. Right. And I've hung off the gutter and jumped over. Yeah. I've made the uh water water line before he has. Yeah. The cops have grabbed him. Right. And I've I've jumped in the water. In your clothes. In your clothes. clothes. <laughs> in your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked, and the cops are running up and down um, Brighton Beach just with the spotlight on. Yeah. And uh, I'm just <laughs> wading my way all the way up to Ventnor Beach and eventually got home. Uh, yeah. Wet as fuck, you know, but Jesus Christ, what a night out, eh? That's classic. That's yeah. a hell story. Just, uh, it's funny when you're, when you're like young and drunk. And yeah, the cops I know. You, you just run. I remember doing that a couple of times too. And it's like, I actually wasn't doing anything wrong. Apart no. from being drunk. But you freak out. You run. They think, yeah. oh, these guys are up to no good. We better chase them. And uh, yeah, that scenario plays out. Uh, no, that's a, that's a I, pretty I think textbook it, one from, uh, I think, Australian youth that carried through a few generations. That's a goodie. Yeah. I think, I think there's uh, a lot more from around that area that are pro- r- a lot more ribald than that, you know. Yep. I mean... The Scarborough pub and the White Sands were just uh, seething beds of uh, <laughs> youth and alcohol, youth and, and alcohol excitement. and excitement. <laughs> and, so and pretty wild places, really. Yeah, yeah. No, they sounded like it. Um, I mean, I grew up there in the uh, ninety late nineties. I was, 
I was hitting the uh, pubs there and they, geez, they still had a bit of action going on there. I can tell you, Billy, I got involved yeah. more than once or twice. But, yeah. um, mate, so, yeah, around that era, what, um, when, when did you first start coming down south to the southwest of WA? Was it following those cock guys that you were talking about earlier? Uh, yeah, I kind of, um, well, my mum and dad brought me down to Australian titles here in about 69, I think it was. Oh, right. 69 so you- or 70. And I saw yelling up, and I saw um, some top surfers. You know, Midget was over, and Midget Farrelly, uh, yeah, and um, and Nat was over, Nat and Young, yep. There was a pile of surfers around, and they surfed Scarborough as well. So I saw them in in both locations, and um, yeah, yelling up impressed me from day one. It just is a place you want to return to. So yeah. Um, I, I concur. Yeah, so I, it took me, it, it, I grew up in Perth and I had to, have, I did my apprenticeship and I surfed around Perth, but at any chance I got in the car and drove down south and driving down south was an adventure in its own right, you know, we yep. had just, you know, so much fun in the drive down and back yep. that it was crazy. And um, and then when you got here, you just got these bliss waves, you know. Yep. And so it just made you want to experiment with new equipment. It just made you want to surf, you know, more yep. and more. You just wanted to find the next buzz, you know. And yeah. it was, um, so tell us about the drive back then. You're probably talking, what, late 60s or something, were you? Or yeah, yeah, uh, uh, early, early 70s. Early 70s when it? I started driving. So I was, I was uh, did a, probably around about 1972, 73. Yep. Um, was it gravel track all the way uh, down from Perth or Mandurah or something like that? Uh, we, I used to be able to drive, to, you'd drive to Bunbury and get lost in Bunbury okay. because that was crazy. That was just the stupidest town ever known to man <laughs> um, <laughs> as far as the roads go. Yep. And so you get lost in Bunbury, you come out the other side of Bunbury and then you'd be in a tunnel from there all the way down to um, Dunsborough basically. Oh, well, all the way to Yelling Up, you know. Well, Peppy's oh, yeah. over both sides. So a tree really, tunnel. Yeah, tree tunnel. Yeah, cool. And... You know, the Peppies died, there'd be carries or Chewets, you know. It just, it was uh, an adventure. And was know. that mostly gravel from Bunbury? To uh, Bunbury? Yeah, mostly gra- gravel. Yeah, yep. even, yeah, just bits of gravel, bits of bits of road, you know. And how long did it take you roughly back then? Oh, it'd be, f- it'd be a five-hour trip five usually. Hours. Yeah, it's now. it depends on how much mischief you got up to yeah. on the way down there. <laughs> I'm sure there was plenty. It's about a two, <laughs> two, two hours and 45 minutes now. Yeah, yeah. With the uh, new roads and the good cars and all that jazz. But, uh, mate, is there any memorable down south trips just on the road side of things, on the driving side of things that stick out at all? I know you guys... You know, uh, there was no RBTs back then. There was plenty of uh, late night runs and drinking and driving and stuff like that. I'm I'm assuming, which is yeah, heavily yeah. frowned upon now. But I guess there was a lot less traffic back then, so oh. it probably wasn't quite as dangerous. But. Well, I don't know. It was it's pretty dangerous at times. <laughs> um, Not to me. I can remember uh, the some of the food fights that went on between cars. We used to. Uh, if you're coming down south for the weekend, it used to cost you about four bucks, basically, in juice and food. Wow. So, um, 
So to save money, you'd get a few cans of baked beans and rice cream was was big on the sweets side. So anyway, we'd get a few cans of these and we'd be driving down and um, all of a sudden somebody would open a can of rice cream and uh, and have a spoon with them and the next minute somebody would be passing you in a V-dub and be flicking rice cream onto <laughs> the windscreen. <laughs> and it got to the stage where... People were climbing out onto the roof with a can of ice cream or baked beans <laughs> and emptying it onto the next car that was driving past. Well, so done. we were just, you know, we had some food fights from hell, you and, know. And were, were they just any old car or sort of oh, other, other surfers that were sort of driving? Uh, no, time? we usually drove down in convoy. There oh, was yeah. usually a few of us. Yep. And there was usually somebody that had a better car than everybody else that you wanted to just put shit on (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we'd empty rice cream and bloody baked beans all over their windscreen just what you want were you in the middle of the night oh yeah gravel highway probably at 100 k's an hour with a few tinnies under your belt bit of baked beans on your windscreen sounds safe i got pulled up by the cops and freaking bustleton on the way out of town and i'd had baked beans all over the front of my light blue beetle (laughs) and uh and I'd just used the wipers to wipe them off, so they were yeah. just still all sitting over the front of the car. And the coppers pulled me up, and he's going, "Oh my God, where have you been?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's wind up putting a yellow sticker on the car, and uh, uh, yellow sticker for baked beans. That's oh right. well, <laughs> there was a few other things that might have been wrong with the car. I'm sure there was. <laughs> <laughs> baked beans were the precursor. Uh, yeah, baked beans were the precursor. That led him in, you know. Yeah, right. Classic. Uh, so, um, mate, yelling up was yelling up main break was sort of the hot spot back then, wasn't it? It was sort of the first wave that got surfed in the area. And I, I guess when you're coming from Perth, which is predominantly small beach breaks, you, you get to yelling up and you see that big, long left-hander peeling off. Um, mate, were you sort of surfing? Yeah, was that the go-to spot most of the time? Just head for Yells and work it out from there and camp at Yells? Or what did you do in those first few times? Uh, yeah, I was camping at Yells. We, yep. uh, we'd camp under the um, um, under the clubhouse out the back. Yep. Um, there's a few guys that used to rule the roost there, Grimo and, and uh, a few of those. Uh, George, and he, he, he was out of there, but they'd all sort of look after the grommets and I was a grommet. So if I could find a spot in the clubhouse, that'd be great. If I could find a place under the clubhouse, that would be great. And if I couldn't, it was the cement dunnies out the front. Right. Where was the clubhouse? What clubhouse Uh, was it? It was like a, uh, it was like a shed out the back of Surfside. Oh, Surfside. Surfside Surfside had a, uh, it was a sort of, a kiosk. Kiosk slash yeah, restaurant. Slash style. restaurant. Became a restaurant yep. in later years, you know. Yep. In the 70s, it was a restaurant. It was a really good restaurant. It just evolved, uh, I suppose. But in the in the early days, there was a, a bit of a, um, like a crash spot out the back of, yep. of there. And we'd, we'd all, if you could steal a bunk, that'd be great. But if you couldn't, you'd, you'd camp around there. Right. And, uh, and you just sleep in there for free or how did Yeah. It oh, yeah, yeah. Who owned it? Not not exactly sure. <laughs> not some, exactly sure. Just a building with some beds Just a in building. It. And yeah, that's pretty cool. like I say, most of the time I wound up underneath. Yeah, right. You know, like 
In the stump area. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And it was dry, you know. So yeah, that's you, it. If and you, that's right on the beach in Yelling oh, Up yeah. for, the, for the people that don't know. Um, and obviously there was not many people in the town of Yelling Up back then. So you could sort of just rock up and, and crash out anywhere without too much problem, I would imagine. Yeah, then. yeah. There's a, yeah. And mm. did you, um, were you surfing the left mostly or were you going the right as well? I know, uh, I know no, that I can always remember the right. I, yeah. I can always remember the right. And okay. it, the right attracts me no end. Yep. I know with uh, the male riding. Um, started on the left. He started on the left. Yeah. But as far as I can ever remember, I always wanted to ride the right. Yeah, cool. And. I still tell people it's a right-hander. Yeah, that's don't right. Don't fuck around. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a right-hander. Just yeah. don't, don't go yeah. there. Except, except in summer, <laughs> I like getting the mal out uh, oh, and yeah. going left. Just maybe, to, maybe a northerly yeah. direction or something, you know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So uh, That's it. So, mate, tell us about some of the other... Um, in those early years, you, you were probably setting up base in Yelling Up mostly. Yeah, yeah. What, I was really lucky. I... Uh, I fell in with when I first moved down here. I got a job in Capel as a fitter, and um, we, and I was just out of my time. Yep. Um, but and there was a whole pile of surfer crew that would got jobs there at the same time. Um, John Malloy, Dave Hattrick, Glenn Lance, uh, the Contoulis brothers, um, so many of the, Ronnie Ratchet. Uh, they all had sort of mechanical trade type backgrounds in those days, and they wound up at the mine anyway. Capel Mine, which is what? Capel Mine, about an hour out about, of Yelling about up. About an hour from Yelling up. Yeah. Um, anyway, I got a flat in in Bustleton, and John Malloy and Dave Hattrick moved in with me because I was only twenty k's from the mine, and uh, they were living down at Wide Up Valley, and I thought, well. They had a cottage out the back of White Up Valley, and I, and what happened was, after the mine closed down, I was looking for a place to get out of the flat, and they said, "Oh, the cottage is at White Up Valley." So I moved into White Up Valley, um, right behind Dave Hattrick and John Malloy. John Malloy went on to surf, um, set up pipeline leg ropes, and then Creatures of Leisure. Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, Dave Hattrick was in partnership with Ian Cairns and he was doing surf expos in the early 70s uh, in Perth at the concert hall. Okay. Um, so these guys were movers and shakers. It's the movers and shakers house. It was yeah, freaking right. – everybody was rocking up there. It was party. It was, it was the on scene, you know. Yeah, right. And wide up house is obviously – uh, on the road that you take down to down uh, Engine Up Engine Up Beach, which is a very famous surf beach uh, here, it's got a it's got geez, it's got about four or five different waves in a very small bay. Um, you know, left hand point break, uh, right hand slab, uh, right hand performance wave, a couple of beaches. So, I'm guessing uh, you were well and truly all over that at the time. Oh, look. That was one of the best years of my life, I think, uh, 19, I think it was 74 or 75. I didn't work a great deal. I did about three or four months' work and then had enough money. And then I, I did get another job in Bustleton, but um, I surfed so much. Uh, my, my wife uh, 
well, she wasn't my wife at that time. She she got a job at Cave's house. Yep, behind the bar. Yeah, behind. Oh no, uh, kitchen staff. Oh yeah, kitchen. Uh, kitchen. Split shift. Yep. So I drop her off in the morning and then pick her up and halfway through the morning and then drop her off at two o'clock and then pick her up later on. No doubt you were just surfing every time in between. I that. was I was crazy. Uh, I used to drive. I used to drive her to work at about seven o'clock. Yep. And on the way home. Uh, we drop in at um, it, it was at, at the old uh, coach house on just before Smith's um, Creek. There, there's an old coach house there, which is now a winery, um, and it it was uh, it had a milking shed out the back. And Tommy Hoy was in there shaving boards for a while. Yep. But when I about seventy four, when I moved in, Dapper moved into there. And um, Dave Playstead. Anyway, Dapper was making sunrise surfboards in there at the time. And I'd drop by. I'd sit on the veranda with Dapper and have a coffee and talk about the uh, the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then... Rolling, and a, few, then we're, rolling and then, a few fat ones, I was Oh, rolling a few fat ones for sure. Yeah, well, Chillums back in those days, weren't they? Well, they were, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah, he yeah. was my introduction to that instrument. Was he? Oh, excellent. <laughs> I, I've heard you can play it well. And, and yeah... <laughs> Anyway, we'd wind up out at the car park and we'd, you know, we had so many days there, just absolute unbelievable, you know. Yep. And some of the best surfs I've ever had were with yeah, Dapper and a couple of other people, you know. Uh, engine up car park. Engine up car park. Yep. Cracking engine up car park by Beautiful. ourselves, you know. Fantastic. Yeah. What a good time. Yeah. Yeah, unreal. Um, so back to the wide up cottages, Billy. Um you said it was full of, and I quote, movers and shakers at the time. Uh, can you give me a quick insight into some of the more colourful characters or any particularly memorable events or parties that may or may not have gone down out there? Uh, right. Dave Hattrick was living in the house. Helen Spotty, we always know her as Spotty. So she was the girlfriend, Dave's girlfriend. And they decided that they'd get married. And it wasn't, uh, let's say... Marriage wasn't one of those things that was really uh, first in, in line for people to do. So they decided to have a l sort of loose celebration of this, uh, of a union. And they lived with you out at the cottage? Yeah, yeah, the they, they yeah. were in the main house. That, yeah. There was their house, you know. Spotty ruled the kitchen. Yeah. Um, she was like, she could cook anything and yeah. um, she just ruled the kitchen. There was a monstrous great kitchen with glass all the way around yeah. it. And you anyway, guys were like young in the seventies. Oh buddy. yeah, I was hippies. I was, you weren't really thinking marriage. No, no. Yeah. She, she, well, I was because I, I wanted my missus to come down and live with me. So yep. Uh, <laughs> and her parents weren't keen on it. <laughs> so yeah. um, I did wind up getting married, but they had a loose celebration. Dave and Spotty had a uh, loose celebration, yep. and um, and like. It just involved everyone. It, people came from everywhere, you know? Yeah. Because when there was a party on in those days, you would go 30 k's to a party. Yeah, because there so, so wasn't many parties. No, it wasn't, it. it wasn't a great deal. So when there was a celebration on, it was, it was a celebration. On. Anyway, people had heard that Spotty and Dave were getting married and, um, and they chose a celebrant. And the celebrant was a guy, he's a farmer dude from uh, Bustleton, yeah. Bob Stafford. Right. And he was a bit of an odd character, um, <laughs> but he 
he was so colourful that he, he always wore uh, Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. And he'd been to Texas, so he had a Texan a Texan 10-gallon hat for the five-gallon head. The big, the big yeah, cowboy yeah. Texan yeah, hat. the cowboy Texan hat. Yeah, so Hawaiian shirt, Texan yeah, hat. Yeah. yeah, mate. And so he's done, done himself. And usually you'd see him in farmer's clothes, so you weren't sort of expecting it. You knew he was a bit eccentric, but you didn't really grasp it until that night. Yeah. And then um, so he's rocked up, 10-gallon black Stetson hat, and he's got the the most colourful Hawaiian shirt you've ever seen in your whole life. Yeah. And then he's got this freaking goanna. And the goanna's a goanna. like... A, a goanna. What sort of goanna? <laughs> he's got a fucking goanna. Like, like a, a big one or a bobtail? Yeah, no, no, one of those... Like a uh, racehorse, a oh. racehorse, you oh, know. Oh, so a big one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know where he got it from. I think he's rescued it from somewhere because he, yeah. he was an animal rescuer, yeah. you know. But he's got this goanna in tow. On on a lead with freaking collar around its neck, and it's got all little diamantes fucking stuck in the <laughs> collar. And anyway, so diamond studded necklace on a goanna. Yeah, this and is he's the, the celebrant. Yeah, he's the celebrant. <laughs> so I can tell you, it was a colourful night. You know, yeah, so yeah, there was uh, a lot of uh, yeah wild people there, and yeah, just one of the many um, parties that were ha- ha- held at that house. You know. It was, it was a party house. It was one of those. Uh, it was probably the best house that anybody had in the district. You yeah, know, right. we, were, we were all <laughs> used to old groupies that were falling down everywhere. You know, yeah. And yeah. they had the uh, Butte one in White Up Valley, and it, it still is a yeah. beautiful, beautiful spot. Oh, mate, that sounds like a, a quality era out yeah, there. Quality era, then. Yeah, good stuff. Cool. And what about uh, Margaret River, mate? When did you first start venturing uh, that further bit south? Was it straight off the bat, or did you sort of? I, I was around here for. I was around yelling up for about a year, and then um, I'd put an offer in a in a block down here, and then um, yeah, whereabouts? Uh, I, on well, two blocks actually. Uh, I got beaten to the pat punch on the one up from. Um, in the valley there, Rob Malcolm's. In which valley is that? Smith uh, Valley? Smith Valley. It yep. was just the second, is a second old coach house in there. Yep. Um, it's an old place, limestone place. Um, I think that went for seven thousand, seven and a half thousand dollars. Is that where my mate Mono lives? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It is. He's, yeah, my yeah. good friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah the old limestone. Old, the yeah. old limestone place. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I go so that was. Quite a bit. That was went up for about seven and a half grand. Yeah. And then. There was a block down in Yelling Up Beach for three grand, and Yelling Up Beach for three grand. And what, what, uh, what was your yearly wage roughly back uh, then? Oh shit, about get, five grand. About five grand. Yeah, so if it, on, on you know, I mean, I was earning a hundred bucks a week as a fitter. Yep. and that was good money. That was good money. So yeah, yeah it was sort of like three quarters of a yearly income. You could have yeah. got a block on on the yeah. hill at Yelling Up that's now that's worth right. about two and a half million bucks. But I wound up waiting about a year year and a half and there was a boom in that year and a half yeah right um <laughs> well it went up to three and a half grand did it well yeah no it did it went up to about 15 or 14 really? or something like that wow yeah. that is pretty oh big. yeah it was boom big boom anyway i well, i went up buying in margaret river and i bought a little house in townview terrace in margaret river and uh yeah it was a we stayed there a few years and i and uh and i got on the end of another boom 
Um, and I think I bought it for 13 and, and I sold it for about 32 or something like that. Where was that? In the town of Margaret River? Yeah, that was in the town of Margaret River. And yep. that got me to the block that I'm in now, which is in the town of Margaret River. Yep. A couple of streets back from the main street. Yeah. So what Z- year did you buy that one? Uh, 1979. 79? Yeah. Yeah, right. So I built myself a rock house yep. and did what everybody, every other hippie in the place was doing, which was build a rock house, yep. scav what you could. Yep, jarra timbers everywhere. Jarra timber, yep. whatever you could mill, whatever you could scav, yep. whatever you could Did you do get. a lot of the building yourself? Yeah, yeah. yeah seemed to be the go back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> get your mates I thought, oh, yeah. Get the walls up and it was freaking hell. It took me forever to do the walls. And, then, <laughs> um, and now, 40 years in, yep i've uh i've just fixed up the veranda and i i can sort of confidently say that i feel like it's finished <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a casual 40 year build. yeah it's a 40 year job you know like it's it's, it's taking time <laughs> there's been a little bit of surf in between oh just a couple of surfs <laughs> to slow you down in between yeah right classic so Mates, um, what about, uh, w- when did you start sort of venturing around the Margaret River surf breaks? I mean, obviously, it started in Yowls and, and sounds like it went to Injun Up. When did you start going south? And, I mean, Margaret River main break was, was on the cards by then, wasn't it? And there was a f- few competitions that went down and stuff. Is that what drew you in there? Or Yeah, I think um, there was a few people around too at the time. Um, I was riding um, energy surfboards, which is... Uh, uh, Ken McKenzie and Ken yep. had moved in a little bit, moved into the uh, area a little bit later than I did, and um, they uh, originally moved into Dapper's um, spot in uh, on Yelling Up, just over Smith's there, into the, the milking shed, and they were making a few boards there, um, and they decided to move down to Margaret River, and Ken and Hamish. And they bought bought in right on the river down, beautiful spot. And um, and Ken and Hamish and a few of those guys all started to move to Margaret River. I was probably the first, but within yep. a year there was about four or five other Perth people that were moving into Margaret River. Yep. It already had a little bit of a population because it had guys like uh, Rob Keneally and Mark Moore down there. Yep. And they were really underground. They were they were making boards. There was you know, there was outpost surfboards were happening in Forest Grove, you know. Yeah, just getting made in the bush. Yeah, there yeah, was, made there in was the bush. no internet so, and Instagram yeah, yeah. and Facebook so there too. Was, there was al- no always, advertising. No advertising. So there was always quality uh, single fins in the deep steps of the Margaret River bush. It was. It just was, surfing big solid waves to themselves, I guess. Yeah, it was depths. It was depths. And they uh and they really did charge a lot of those guys, you know. They, um, you know, and you, you look at you look at um, the board design from that era, yep. And uh, and you look at some of the, especially Tom Hoy's boards, you know. There's just absolutely beautiful lines, you know. The forward point might be a long way forward, but really, just it will draw a line. It just whatever board you've seen of that era. It just does want to lend yourself to a long line. 
I know Margaret's in those places don't have long lines. No, not but that, yeah. That's what they were looking for, you know. Yeah. And, um, they're looking for that big bottom turn and that big high for, line, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. They were looking yeah. for that big. You Even know. though the, the waves over here aren't as long as the the point breaks of east and stuff like that, they that's were still right. looking for those big, long, powerful lines, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. yeah. And there was some beautiful boards just being made all around the, that area at the time. So unreal. So. You used to surf Margaret River Mainbreak, obviously, quite a lot when you once you bought the house down there and stuff. Yeah, Mainbreak was uh, main, main bread and mainstay, butter. Bread butter. Yeah. Um, it's got it's it it it's it's grown and it's got uh, crowded these days. I don't surf it a great deal now. I I have my rules. If there's yep. fifteen guys out there or more, then I don't go surfing. Um, and you know, uh, mainly because. It's not that the 15 guys out there, well, it might be that the 15 guys out there are just idiots, you know, so (laughs) it's just just freaking hard work. (laughs) Yelling up's a lot easier place to surf with a crowd than um, Margaret's main break. Why is that? Uh, It's just a more more intense peak. Yeah, Um, yeah. it's more focused in there. It's more focused and... Uh, perhaps it's the crew. It's very a very localized crew. So I, yep. yeah, I've tended to uh, spray a little bit from Margaret's in in later years. And, and look, there's so many waves on this coast. Freaking hell, there's just wave upon wave. So yeah, um, and we can still get you know our wave to ourselves. Yeah, for sure. No, we still can. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, mate. Well. Um, what about, i got a few little uh, notes yeah. down here that I thought I might bring up. Um, tell us about uh, West Coast Surf Safaris. What was that all about? All right. Yeah. yeah you didn't know I had that one up my sleeve, yeah, did you, yeah. Billy? Hey? Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, that was my mate, Dean, Dean Forsyth. Um, he still runs a, a, West, a recovery service for cars up in Bustleton. He's, he's a top bloke. Oh, yeah? Anyway, he, he had a uh, safari business and... Um, we were, we were, uh, Dean was one of the first, well, he was the first to take, um, surf trips up to the bluff and Nalu and further afield. We, we so, did so surf trips as in taking other people. Yeah. Like uh, yeah, for, paying for, for pa- money. passengers. Yeah. Paying customers and we'll, yeah, we'll take them you on a surf safari, you know, okay, we'll cool. give you seven days of surf. I'll, you know, charge you for it and yep. away you go. I'll what year was you. that roughly? Uh, uh, mid eighties. Oh, yeah, yeah mid eighties. We started doing that, and anyway, Dean Dean attracted a few um, really different um, crew. He had uh, Rip Curl, Quicksilver. Uh, I think Billabong came along for a, one trip with him. He had uh, um, he had the Surfing Medicos Association that came away for a trip. Yep, is that uh, a bunch of doctors? Bunch of doctors. Yep. Dr. Jeff, who was in, uh, he was a big tracks, he was the tracks man. Contributor. Yep. Yeah, tracks contributor for many years. I don't know where right. he is these days, but so I got, top I got, bloke. I got tipped off that there was a bit of a story involving that certain trip with the doctors. Oh, fuck. Tell yeah. me about that one. Your, your son Gibbo uh, said, ask him about the surfing doctor's safari. Oh, shit. <laughs> so what happened there? Uh, i got to tell you this first. Okay. Uh I had two of the best tubes of my life that day. Right. I had one friggin' barrel at um, at Nalu that was all time. Yep. Uh, and two or two 
two bubbles through, you know. Double it banger. Was just a double banger. <laughs> and then Sweet. I got to the Nalu that I uh, got to the bluff that afternoon. We were all camped. There was about 40 of us, I think. Um, and we were all camped at Nalu. 40 of you? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. on the surf safari? Yeah, on the surf safari. Oh. There was doctors from all around the world. Wow, that's a and big, big safari. journalists from GQ in uh england well wow. uh journalists well, a few journalists anyway so it's 40 of you how many surfers uh, uh there were two cars car loads went up uh yep. dean had an extended troop carrier which was took 14 people um, <laughs> well, one of those ones where you sit sideways in the back all the way up to Nalu. <laughs> it, that it sounds just, comfortable it, it just kept on going and <laughs> oh going and man going. anyway uh um it was a good trip um, yep. But anyhow, what happened was that all the boys that afternoon I went out that we went all in went out the bluff. I scored my second friggin' tube that was just scorcher, nearly ripped my arm off, but yep. just absolute scorcher. Sick. Came in, was just totally in bliss. Came up to the car and the extended troop carrier was sitting there. Yep. Had a shower unit on the back of the on the car. Okay, and had to start the car to um, do it to pump the so, water or something. to pump the water so yep. one of the one of the punters had gone up started the car yep so you could showers, have a nice shower hot, hot shower yep. going Beautiful. you know he's standing under in the hot shower yep. I'm coming up to the car yeah the car started to friggin move forward so mm. I've just decided oh, okay I'll run around this car so I've run right around the car from the other side put one foot in the door of the car yeah and put my foot on the brake right and at the same time the front wheels jackknifed over the front cliff at the bluff right in the corner there wow <laughs> the car's done well, a, over like a five yeah, meter cliff sort of yeah, thing yeah five meter cliff the car's yep. jackknifed on the door and rolled over and landed on all fours on the beach below wow and as i'd run down the side of the car i'd get a friggin' rope from the um boards the strap off the, the roof strap off the roof and yeah wrapped around my guts as i'd stuck my foot, foot in the door no way and uh so i've just sort of fallen into this tiny little crevasse in the rock so so, uh, so as and the cars as rolled off the cliff it's the ropes grabbed you around the stomach and pulled you down with pulled it pulled me down holy with crap pulled me out of the friggin little hole that i was safe in yeah and just went bang and i landed parallel to the car Holy so crap. the car was on all fours and i was lying on my back and i had like 40 doctors on t on my case because <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's pretty really handy because you're taking shrinking. a bunch of doctors there and and what happened here so obviously um, it's lucky the car didn't land on you man well um yeah it was really lucky uh, at first they thought i'd broken every bone in my body but um <laughs> They loaded me into the car, into Lindsay Thompson's car. Right. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, loaded me into Lindsay Thompson's car. And they had a surgeon from the North Shore Hospital in Sydney. Yep. Uh, they had an, an anaesthetist. Yeah. Did he have his drugs on him? No. Oh, the bastard a... wouldn't give me any drugs. What? And he the, had some with him? Yeah, yeah, no, they wouldn't give me any Why? drugs. Because they've seen what no, you've been doing the previous couple of no, days and I'll thought, no, this what, guy doesn't need any. They were, they were going, <laughs> with, they were planning to take over the frigging Carnarvon Hospital to operate on me. Really? Yeah, because they thought I'd busted my femur and my, and my hip. Right. So... Uh, they were all ready to friggin' operate on me. No way. And the other person in the car, and God knows why, 
was a psychologist. It could have been Jim Bradley. I, um, did, did he help you mentally through yeah, that two-hour drive back to town on the oh, bumpy gravel road? Like, fuck, you give me something, you know. But yeah, they wouldn't know. do it. They wouldn't do it. I didn't and, give you uh, anything. That's uh, crazy. Anyway, I got into hospital. They x-rayed the shit out of me. Yeah. They disappeared because I was okay. I right. was just bruised, apparently. Yeah. And So it, that's all you got, bruising? Well, it took me six months to come good. Six uh, months? Yeah, yeah. I had all knots in my guts and my bum and... Right. Uh, yeah, I didn't shit for three weeks. It was just it was <laughs> bad. <mate>. <laughs> it was <laughs> a bad situation. Oh, that sounds crazy. I tried to go back up there, you know, like a, a week out. I got out after about three days out of hospital. Canavan Did, Hospital in yeah. the mid 80s. Oh, mate. Would have been a stellar establishment, oh, I would imagine. Stellar establishment. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, uh, I was ready to freaking break my way out of there. Oh, Christ. So, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, and and what did you do? Did you did you drive back? Uh, well, down? I drove back yeah. up there, and then you I, went back up there. I went back up there, and I tried to because um, I was employed, frigging cooking and <laughs> bottle washing, basically. No workers and comp. The car. No workers comp. Then I'm uh, tipping. No, uh, but Dean looked after me. He was good. Yeah. So and all all up, it was a good exchange. I I wound up in Royal Perth about a month later after I'd been holidaying. Really? Trying to get me freaking sphincter into space, into place. <laughs> <laughs> so you waited a month, thought oh, I'd just go back to the surf oh, for mate, a month. It was, it was hard work, but um, I got through it. You, did, you didn't surf again, that trip? I tried. Did you? I did try. <laughs> what happened? And, uh, oh, man, I had a football on my leg. I had a football on my ass. I had a football on my guts. Yeah. And I had all these scratches from outside of breakfast. Every time I hit the water, it stung. And then... You know, I just couldn't stand up. I just yeah. couldn't stand up. It was, just, oh, it was terrible. So oh, crazy. Um, yeah. And uh, so was that the end of West Coast Surf Safaris? Or no, no. Uh, no. Dean went on for a couple of years after that. Um, yep. We did a couple of really good trips. We did one to uh, the Murons off... Uh, Muron Islands? Yeah, off Exmouth. And oh, yeah. that was a funny trip too. Was it? Tell, yeah. tell me more. We got, we, we got stuck out there. Um uh, Mick McAuliffe. I don't, I don't know uh, what the reviews uh, would be like Mick on McAuliffe, this website. Dave mate. McAuley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ross Clark Jones. No way. Uh, what's the green? Uh, uh, Robbie Kerr. And who was the other guy? I can't remember the other guy. There yeah. was three East Coasters. Yeah. Oh, Marcus Brabant. Right. Uh, and anyway, and there was Mark Dan. No, I don't uh, who's a Geraldton Aboriginal guy? Oh, is that the really dad of Ken? Ken, Ken Dan? Dan's I remember his brother. That guy. Oh, okay, uh, brother. Mark was the original one. Yep, it's so smooth. Anyway, yeah, cool. um, we all wound up on the Muron Islands, right? Right. How, how did you get out there? Uh, well, we took a we got a a charter boat out there. Yep. Um, what, fishing like a, boat, you know. Yeah, a, a fishing. I boat. think it was the Kings. Anyway. Yep. Uh, they dropped us out there. Um, dropped you we, out there? What do you mean? Dropped us on the island. We're not allowed to stay on the island, but I think somehow Dean had wangled some sort of permission to stay on the end of the island. So, right. we, so you just pitched tents and stuff? We pitched a tent, yep. yeah, uh, pitched tents, had a big tarpaulin over this um, sort of A-frame piece of steel that was there. Yep. And, uh, and anyway, 
two days in, it was good. We had great waves. Yeah, good waves. Yeah, good. Yeah. And then two days in, uh, fronts come out of the north. Right. <clears throat> and starts pissing down. Oh, terrible. Like, like pissing down. Nowhere to hide. Nowhere to hide. <laughs> yeah. So an exposed northwest coast. So on we an got island. ten guys on the end of the island here. Yeah. And and this is crazy. It, Dean's gone. We've got a little runabout. And it's twenty-two k's into Exmouth. Yeah. And there's no way we can sort of take to anybody else. So yep. Dean's gone. It's pissing down with rain. I'll do the run. Yeah. And I'll get the boys to come in and get us. Right. Right. Yeah. Because there's no phones. Obviously, no phones. And no nothing. No so communication. You no communication. Drive. So he's. He's taken off in this little freaking runabout, a little fourteen horse runabout, little fifteen horsepower or something. Twenty-two k's in X mount. Can you see and the land from there? You no, can't. you can't see it. No. You, you so couldn't you see fuck all at that stage, mate. <laughs> was pissing down. <laughs> Did he have a compass or what anyway, was he doing? Um, anyway, he's disappeared. So I'm out there and I'm looking after these. I'm sort of cooking. Yeah. And I'm starting to run out of food. You know. No way. Like, Second day in. What, so he's been gone for two days. He's gone, t- he's gone two days. <laughs> oh, and I'm gone, oh, shit. I hope he fucking made it. Oh, yeah. It's still, it's still drizzling, right? Oh, man. And, uh, and anyway, um, a couple of guys are starting to lose the plot out there. Yeah. Who, who was losing the plot? Uh, that guy, Brabant, he was, oh, yeah? he was standing there in a, in a sleeping bag there. And somebody stood up in the in the tarp, yep. and the friggin' water just pissed into his sleeping bag <laughs> over the edge, oh, and everybody's gone, cracked up laughing, and he's spitting it, he's totally spitting it. <laughs> As and you I'm would just, be. I'm just cooking the last of the food. <laughs> I've got sounds like Lord I've of the Flies. <laughs> I've got a crate of tomatoes and about four hundred onions, yeah. and I've chopped them all up, and I've got every spice that I've got known to man. I've yep. chucked it in this pot. It's like a huge tomato soup, yeah. immense tomato soup. There was still stuff when Dean came back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, but the, most most of the crew were pretty happy, but it really was the guy t- with The guy with the wet sleeping bag wasn't so happy. <laughs> he wasn't happy <laughs> no, at all, mate. fair enough. And, uh, yeah, Ross and the boys, uh, they seemed to keep themselves quite occupied. They were, Did they? Yeah, their yeah. little tent was lifting off the ground. Yeah, <laughs> um, yes. There was a fair bit of Margaret River madness packed oh, on board there that was boat. Some madness. There yeah. was, that was that was total madness. That trip. Wow, that sounds crazy. So let's get this straight, Billy. You're on a desolate, windswept limestone island, 20 kilometres off the mainland. There's no trees or shelter apart from your tents and tarps, and it took your mate two days to come and pick you up. Well, why did it take him so long? What's going on? Uh, well, the boat was. The boat was shit, you know. What, the runabout? The runabout was a piece of shit. It, uh, it, we broke the steering on the way out and uh, so Dean was hanging off the end of the fucking thing, steering it by moving the outboard. By uh, holding on to the outboard. Holding on to the outboard. So he set off in, <laughs> in fucking blinding rain, we're holding on to the outboard of the motor. 22Ks. 22Ks to go. Did he by himself? By himself, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally frigging no e-perbs yeah. or oh, GPSs, mate. mate. It's just like it's, it's the back days, yeah. And anyway, 
Oh, I'm I'm not sure after a day whether he's fucking made it, and everybody's going, "When's Dean coming home? When's Dean coming back?" And you I'm guys going, are just marooned on this. Yeah, we're just marooned in a storm on an like, island, just fuck with no if cover, I know, mate. Just <laughs> fuck if I know. Fuck off. You know, eat some food. Just <laughs> eat fucking, the tomato soup. Yeah, eat the tomato soup. So I, I'm just going. Well, I hope the I hope he's right. You know. Anyway. Uh, Sure enough, on the morning, on the morning, it came. It was about eleven o'clock by the time he'd come back. Two days and later. Two days later, it's still drizzling, yeah. and uh, it's just this wild storm that came out. Um, anyway, he's uh, he's come out with the kings, and I'm going, what the fuck, you know? And he's going, well, well, uh, the kings is the, the kings the got the stuck in. They were in the pot shot. They were in the pub. And they the weren't lo- going fucking nowhere, the local you know. Pub like, in yeah, yeah, they're all they're all pissing it up. They've gone, oh, two days of rain. We're not going fishing, yeah. so <laughs> we don't need to pick up these surfing dudes. Just, <laughs> they're all right on the island. They'll be fucking fine, you know. No way. And Dean's starting to hassle them, you know. So he's finally got them into action, and so uh, they're just in the pub, just getting booze, the, and they're just like, yeah, yeah. We don't care we'll, about we'll these do blokes. it tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> She'll be right, you know. Oh, that's <laughs> and tough. so. Uh, yeah, we finally uh, we finally packed up, and the sun came out, and it was by the time we got back into Exmouth, it was probably four four thirty. Yep. Um, so we've gone to the pot shot, we've had a feed, and we're all sitting there, and Dean's going, "Well, let's let's go for the bluff, you know. Yeah. We can be there tomorrow morning, you know. And everybody's keen to go surfing the next day. Yeah, for sure. After two days rain, you yeah. know. So we've decided, uh, yeah, we'll we'll hit the road. So about six o'clock after a couple of beers and, yeah, suitable head fucking machinery to get through your night, <laughs> um, we, we've taken off. And uh, anyway, about five or six k's out of, the, out of town, everybody's drifting off, you know, they're all going to sleep. Yeah, it's been a big couple yeah, of days. And we got, we're in convoy, Dean's up in front yeah. and I'm behind him. Yeah. And, like, he just takes off, you know, and I just plod along. So yeah. he knows I'll be cool, you know, so yeah. I'll just plod along. Yeah. Who do you have in your car? Uh, you oh, fuck, I can't remember. Yeah. A few of the I boys. Yeah, anyway. a few of the lads. Three or four of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, they all start and, nodding off. Yeah, everybody's nodding off. Everybody's nodding off. Yeah. So, uh, and we've got about, oh, I don't know, about 10, 15 k's out of Exmouth, and we hit this floodplain, yeah. and it's dark. Yeah, and right. I'm watching the white line. I'm just following the white line. And then I'm going, oh, this fuck of a white line. What's this mean? And then all of a sudden we're fucking aquaplaning. <laughs> I've got a trailer behind me, oh, about a half a tonne of trailer behind me. 100 k's an just, hour. We're, yeah, 100 k's an hour. And we're just aquaplaning across this lake. And I'm oh, going, fuck. everybody's going, oh, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? You know? And I'm going, it's all right, it's all right, it's cool. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going, where the fuck am I? What the fuck am I doing? Oh, and then all of a sudden, I come out the other side and we just hit the white line, just bang on. Yeah. And everybody's going, oh. Everyone's <laughs> awake now. Everybody's <laughs> awake now. So, uh, yeah, that was that was really funny. And from then on, it was cool. We, I, there was a few flood pains, but I wasn't, just, I wasn't expecting it. And it was one of those things. So, uh, yeah, we and we made the bluff the next day. Uh, surf turtles, pretty good, pretty nice. Only small, but yeah, the boys it really, it really did enjoy it. To the part, and that, yeah, was, yeah. that was the end of an eventful adventure, was it? Oh, mate? yeah, yeah, beauty. Yeah. 
Wow, that sounds crazy. What a cracking story. Yeah. I think that was a Quicksilver or a Rip Curl trip. Right. Was yeah. there anyone like filming or taking photos? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, did, did, there's a few photos there. Um, no footage ever popped up anywhere of that or anything? Nah. Just nah, a couple of photos. I've got a pile of photos. Uh, the guy that I was in partnership with in a surfing mag, um, Clive Slater, he got a pile of photos as yeah, well. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that, uh, that that's a cracking story. Um I'd like to ask what happened to West Coast Safaris. I'm, I'm I'm tipping the reviews after a couple of those stories that weren't the best, but lucky there was no websites to review on oh, back there. But no, I'm sure everyone had a bloody good time oh, and there was lots of good stories. Everybody that went on one of those trips had a great time. And got and good waves. It just, it just had its time. There was a time for it and it yep. finished. Yeah, yeah. And Dean was happy for it to finish yep. and, you know. So that that was a good segue uh, where you mentioned the the photos for a, a magazine because was it around that same time you started up what uh, West Australia's first surf magazine? Oh, not at first Wasn't by it? any means. By uh, but yeah, we were we started a track a tracks uh, style. What magazine. was that? Ocean Express. I Ocean believe, Express. I believe yes. it was called. Yeah. So what? Uh, what? Tell us a bit about that. Um, yeah, well, it was it was basically a. A West Australian response to what was happening. There wasn't too much information in in um, tracks and um, magazines at the time on Western Australia. So, yep. it, and a few people had tried beforehand, um, but we came at it from a totally naive angle and said, "I, I can write the w- words," and my my mate. Um, who was a photographer, um, Clive Slater, said, I can do the photographs. Yep. And we went from there and huge learning curve. We did, I think, uh, 13 magazines over three years. Oh, yeah? Nearly sent us broke, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, a really good experience. You know, I learned so much. I, uh, that was mid-80s as well, was it? Yeah, I think the last one was in 88. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Huge learning experience. I learned all about distribution and and you know publishing and um, and things like that. And no computers in those days either. So no. all the all the was typed out, typeset, yep. set in onto a piece of paper, photographed, taken yep. to the printers. Yeah, right. Come back from the printer, go to the distributor. Wow. You know, it's a, just a, lot a of process. Work. It was like well. Well, how much work do you want to do? And uh, yeah, obviously didn't make much money out of it from the sounds of it. <laughs> nearly sent you. Oh, look, it was a, it was hard, Yakka. Distribution was the hard thing, you know, because yep. um, you can't do everything yourself, and you can't distribute the magazine like that Australia wide without um, using news agents and that sort of thing. So yeah, and that's what killed us really. That it was pretty hard back then. There was oh, yeah. you know there was no platforms just to bang it out there. It was all would have been all ninety days leg- before I got paid. So yeah. it was just like freaking hell. All legwork and face to face and phone calls and yeah, it would yeah. have been um, pretty hard. It's a, yeah, face to face advertising. You know, like and the surfing industry's been fantastic in Western Australia. They've always supported something that's local. Yeah, you know. And so if somebody gets up and starts to do something, you know, you can count on um, support from down the road, you know. They'll they'll do what they can. So yeah, right. we're, we're, we're really supportive in Western Australia, you know, the surfing industry. Yeah. So. And what were you doing at that time work-wise to 
sort of uh, keep you afloat. Obviously, that wasn't your main source of income at that time. Were you still sort of doing fitting and turning stuff? or? Um, yeah, I, I, I worked at home when I, when I could, but I've worked away when I have to. So it's kind of been a life of juggling a million jobs. I don't know. Yep. I can't. I can't, can't remember know. more. Yeah. You know. So a lot of up north stuff in the mining yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah. I've done stuff the mining industry stuff and a lot of yep. lot of that sort of stuff. And um, I could never stick it uh, a roster. And I've all, always worked in a casual basis. So when it pisses me off, I just have to pull the pin and that's it. You know. When the yeah. surf's up, you're, surf's you're gone. Up. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, happened, you man. know. It does. That's excellent. And and I, and the magazine just sort of faded out, did it? So. Uh, yeah. We, it had, it had, it had, I didn't want to lose too much money. At the yep. time, interest rates were about 17%. Yeah, right. And uh, I was freaking. Yeah. So you were still I was it, just going, off that house no, and cut, cut my losses and get out of this. Yeah, fair um, enough. Um, I still like the idea of uh, of writing a few things, and I do jot down little pieces, and you know, and give them to different people for yeah. <laughs> publication. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, no worries. All right, mate. Well, um, that's pretty good. Let's just have a quick break here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'll come back to you in a sec. Nice no work, Billy. Easy. G'day, T Bone. How are you, mates? G'day, Adzi. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, mate. Uh, you want a beer? Ooh, yeah, what have you got there? Well, mate, i got a nice cold can of Cheeky Monkey Brewing Company's West Coast IPA, 6.5%. Where'd you get that, mate? Well, funnily enough, I was just up at the Cheeky Monkey Brewery production facility in Vass, in the industrial area up there, and, uh, mate, not only are they making bulk amounts of quality beers and canning them up, but you can sit down order a little wood-fired pizza, and uh, get a frothy one out of the keg straight off the wood, mate. Jeez, Adzi, that sounds like an endorsement deal to me. Well, a matter of fact, it is, my good friend. Uh, I'm proud to announce that this next episode of Barreled Surf Podcast is brought to you by the good folk at Cheeky Monkey Beer. It's a quality local brewery here in the southwest, just like us, and it's pumping out some delicious frothy beers. Wow, Adzi, it sounds like you sold yourself out for a couple of beers, mate. Of course I bloody have, T-Bone. You should know me better than that by now. <laughs> but uh, not just any beer, mate. It's got to be a cheeky monkey. Okay, and uh, now we're back after that little intermission there. Um, mate, we're sitting uh, in my shed again with Billy Gibson. We just had to get some new refreshments and make a bit of room for the said refreshments. Um, Billy's been telling us some epic stories here and you're listening to barreled surf podcast my name's adzi uh and i've got billy gibson here as previously mentioned um billy let's jump into the margaret river board riders and uh i believe you were there in the early days of that can you um tell me how that began and and how you got into it and things like that yeah um yeah it was an interesting time um i think uh we all moved down south as uh, me and Ken McKenzie and Ricky Gaff and there was a pile of um, guys that were surfing in the state rounds, uh, state titles, um, and there was a bit of a push on at the time for people to be in clubs, you know. Right. And, uh, and so basically Margaret River guys got together and decided 
um, yeah, we'll, we'll form a club. And around about the same sort of time. Roughly what year was that? Uh, 78, 79, yep. somewhere around about then. 78, I'd say. Yep. And around about that time, uh, the Margaret River Tavern was being built. It used to be a BP garage, which I used to work at for a while. Okay. Uh, it used to be owned by John Terry. But John Terry decided to pull it down and build a build a uh, a tavern there. And Smart which move. Which is still, still there today. Settlers Tavern. Settlers it's Tavern. Absolute it's absolute iconic <laughs> pub of the, uh, it of is. the state. It is. It's so, seen, uh, some, seen some big nights, that one. Yeah. So <laughs> I watched it be built. Yeah. And... Um, and they and John Terry said at the time it'd be really good to have a surf contest in this area, you know. Right. He says, uh, you know, we never never see the state guys and never, you know. So he was kind of encouraging us to start something down at Margaret's. And was so, he a surfer? No, no. He's no? Uh, John Terry goes back to uh, the Bustles. Right. Um, From Bustleton. No, uh, the Bustles, as in the Bustles, yeah, the that Bustle family, Warcliffe House. Okay, okay, Warcliffe House is one of the earliest, earliest. Uh, it burnt down during the fires uh, recently. Yep. But uh, yeah, it was one of the earliest dwellings in uh, Margaret River. Yep. Um, it's got a, it's really if you look back in history, it's got books written about it. So yep. Um, yeah, it's it's worthy of looking up. Anyway, yeah, okay, cool. So uh, he was that historical vintage, but he yeah, yeah, he historical. Just liked, anyway, John liked the Terry cut was of you young surfers, did he? Yeah, sort of John Terry was a top bloke. He was. Uh, he gave us a job in the in the BP garage, and I think Sid Tate was working there before as a panel beater, and, and uh, somebody else was working in there as a spray painter, and um, and then he pulled that down and built the tavern, and yep. I. He was just the best publican. He was just friggin' unreal. Every yeah. Friday night, bloody mint mint spuds. He'd bring them out and bring heaps of mint spuds out. And mint just, spuds? What do you mean? Mint spuds. What, he'd have like mint-flavoured cooked potatoes? Yeah, he'd have potatoes. Yeah. And he'd have all this chopped mint on them and heaps of salt. Yeah. And he'd just have them all boiled up and... Yeah, oh, those are freaking delicious things. I don't know why they don't serve that. <laughs> I've shit never had pubs. a mint spud. I, mint I love mint. Spud. I love spuds, uh, yeah, it's, mate. So it does my missus. I might tell her about this when but, we go uh, in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was one of his uh, fortes at the at the tavern. But okay. anyway, he was he was keen on sponsoring um, a contest. Okay. Um, so basically, between a few members, foundation members that got together and formed the club. Yep. And John Terry. Yep. Um, the Margaret River Classic got formed, run the, the following year. Right, and that that pretty much formed the club in a sense. In a sense, yeah. We it was the main aim for the year to run that competition at the end of the year. Yep. Um, and the other thing, it was letting, it was encouraging young guys from around the area to go into the state rounds. Yep. Um. And there was some good surfers around, you know. Yeah, and the, uh, and the Margaret River the Classic era. is still running today, sporadically. Oh, where so, I think well, last yeah. year it didn't run, but well, last year it didn't run. You guys have invited me down there for a few years, and oh, I've jumped look, on the microphone. It's, uh, it's a bloody good comp, and so there's been some unreal surfers win it over the years. It's it's still a great comp. So it's still a great comp. It, it, it will get up again. Yep. And um, yeah, it's one of those things that. Uh, 
has has kept the surfing community together yep. uh, down there quite a bit. You know, I'm sure. it's, it's great. So and it keeps the older guys like myself uh, involved with younger people. The next generation. Next generation. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Awesome. No, it is a is a good thing. So that was sort of pretty pivotal in in forming the um, early years of the club. From the sounds of it, and um, w- did you do much competitive surfing before that, or? Um, I I'd, I'd surfed in shortboards, uh, but I was always I was beaten quite a bit by Ken McKenzie and Ricky Gath. Yep. Um, so I was, uh, oh, look, I was in the league, but I wasn't in the league. You know, it's yep. just there was better people and more determined people than me. <laughs> um, and I was enjoying my surfing. Yeah. And I was enjoying surfing with those guys, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, competitive surfing's a, a different thing yeah. altogether. So, yeah. You know, and there was a few amongst them. Hamish, Hamish McKenzie, who passed away early in the piece. Um, Is that he was a did very you name your son after him by any chance? Yeah. Did yeah, you really? Did. Yeah. Because uh, your son Hamish yeah. Gibson, or he, that's he how I met away. you. Yeah. Um, I became mates with him at school. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I never knew this, but I just put two and two together right then. Yeah. So you named him after him, did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's uh, he was a special person in my life. He he was a non-competitive uh, surfer. Yep. Definitely non-competitive, but competitive in the water. Yeah. Um, yep. And would drag you out into never never land <laughs> and sweet freaking hell. Jesus yep. Christ, I can yeah. Yeah, sh- shiver when I you went with Hamish. <laughs> Hamish sometimes he'd drive over the hill and go, oh, oh, he'd be going, oh, yeah, lots of this. Nobody <laughs> out, grey, grey, yeah, big. 10 to 12 foot and he's frothing. <laughs> yeah, and he's you're frothing sorta, and you're yeah. just going, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd be dragging you. Well, he must you have know. been a legend if you if you named your son after him. must have been a champion of a bloke. Yeah, I think it was an impact on us as we were young that we lost somebody so vibrant. Um, How did and, he die? Um, he was drowned in a, a mine disaster in, in the Northern Territory. Oh, drowned? Drowned, yeah. He got caught in a... Um, trying to free up a pipeline and... Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, bugger. Yeah, so I, I'm not... I still don't know the full... Details, details yeah. Details and... Yep. Uh, you know, I didn't really want to know. I just... I know that it uh, impacted the family greatly and... Yep. Um, and like I say, uh, yeah, he was a he was he was a great guy to go surfing with. Yeah. So oh well, I'm going to raise my glass to uh, <laughs> yeah. Hamish McKenzie. What, Hamish a, what, McKenzie. A, what an old legend. Yeah, he was a legend, mate. So, talking about legends, uh, how did you receive the first ever lifetime membership award for Margaret River Board Riders? Oh, how did that come about? Who's, oh. Whose cone did you pack then? Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, look, I'm, I'm not really sure. It, it As clubs go, and I've this is an observation from many years of being in all sorts of clubs, uh, clubs have uh, their peak periods and their waning periods. And some of the peak periods, are co- because of the people that run them, are fantastic. Yep. And some of the waning periods are people that just at least they stick their hand up and you've got to appreciate that they stick their hand up and have a go and have a go yep and so and when you look at things uh and history is one of them um it's history should remember both people as the same because they keep the thing going yeah they tried it's it's like the margaret river classic it's like the margaret river board riders they're still alive 
they just they just tick over. Yep. And uh, just have peaks and troughs. Peaks and troughs. Peaks yep. and troughs. And they like will. Like a good swell. It's a good swell. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Sooner or later, you're just going to go. Whoa. This is a party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Classic. So, why did they throw it to you for the first lifetime membership? We did you just put in a lot of groundwork in the early days, getting it um, organising well, comps and stuff like that, or? I think um, possibly at the time, a lot of the older guys were starting to either have families and drop out. Yep. And I saw that the only way to do it was to go and pick up kids um, that wanted to go surfing. And these were local kids, you know. We're talking, yep. we're talking Jackos, Inglets, yep. uh, Thompsons. Uh, um, there's... Uh, um, Hardys. Hardys. Yep. There, there was a whole pot. Yeah, the Innes's, you know, all the Innes's. Tom boys, Innes and yeah, all those all guys. Yeah, kids. Yep. Um, so what happened was I started a junior board riders and that was going blazes, you know. Yeah. And yep. we had a few of the old guys still coming along. Yeah. And they were just having fun, you know. Looking after a pile of grommets, you Froth know, grommets, yeah. frothing grommets, and yeah. you know Sheridan's. You yeah. you look at these surfers today, yeah. and these are the guys that are running. They've been running the club in the yeah, last few right. years, and you they know? all it's absolutely the ripped too, man. Paul Tomo, yeah, the the Jackos, Jackabitches, the yeah. Jackos are still in the in the um, stand up paddle boards. Yeah, you know they're still competing. They're still. Uh, Andrew still Sheridan still a, he's Sheridan, a hell surfer Sheridan, and now he's got his yep. own kids coming that's up through right. the ranks and the Hardys, right. uh, yep. mate, just up up north, uh, yep. Gene Hardy, we were talking Gene, about him on the last podcast yep. with his daughter Willow, third yep. generation. She that's was, right. Mate, how's that for a 13-year-old oh, surfer? She was uh, ripping, mate. I've just been at the Bluff yep. uh, and Nalu and I can tell you that 17 people in the water, 13 were girls. Really? And... I was paddling through a pack there the other day that was ferocious. And <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, you get Bronte, McCauley, Willow, yep. um, friggin' Olive. Uh, Olive Hardy. Yeah, yeah yep. uh, Mum. Yeah. Uh, Crystal. Simpson. Simpson. Yeah. Uh, Lizzie Nunn. Yeah. Uh, right. It's just like friggin' hell, you know. They're yeah. all they're all frothing on that second bubble there. And Excellent. You just... yeah. Just watching some insane surfing. Yeah, know? it's good to see the, yeah, the girls yeah, out there. Right. They they got a good bit of a different vibe too, don't they? Yeah, they don't yeah. Have as much uh, chest out. No, stuff, no. Uh, uh, oh, uh, they're hooting. figuratively. That is not uh, no, literally. No. Chests are probably out more than. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we'll go yeah, there. Yeah, we'll go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So they sort of uh, because you were sort of pushing the juniors and just had a lot to do with it. They. They, uh, I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah that's they how give it went. Me a, and, and you've been a life membership. Yeah, and you've which been involved. Which is really nice. Yeah, it's a great honour and, uh, and uh, a worthy I mean, one. I, yeah, I've, I'm a life member of the Longboard Club as well. The Indian Ocean Longboard Club, yeah, is that one? Yeah, yeah. Because so, you, you love riding the mouse still, don't I you? I love riding the mouse and I love the club situation, you know. Like, uh, I see people in the club situation that, you know, they're lawyers, they're friggin' um, accountants, they're... All sorts of walks of life. Yep. They surf well. They don't surf well. It doesn't matter. 
Yep. It just is a time to see people. Yeah, And I sure. do enjoy that side of uh, competition. Oh, definitely. You know? The gathering element, the social element. The gathering element, element is And, mate, just at the end of the day, especially as you get older, you realise that, you know, you never know which day is going to be your last, or ah, it's or so even, important. You know, you, you might get an injury people. that just stops it for good, and you know, just to get out, get in the water, enjoy it for what it is, enjoy the sunshine. I feel the same way myself. You know, life is busy, this and that, mate. Just get out and bloody enjoy it. It's all, it's all good to have that super competitive element for the teenagers and the yeah. young twenties, and I love the world tour and all that. But at the end of the day, everyone surfs for fun. That's that's the bottom line. The the, the competition's a bonus, and yeah, I can understand how you um, mate. I love surfing mals as well, and yeah, I find mals you get less, um, what is it? Uh, less expectations upon yourself when you surf a mal. You just sort of go out to have fun because you're like, well, I'm yeah. not going to go out and you know break into new ground and um, shock the world with my skill and talent. You're just going out there just to ride the waves and have fun. So. I know you're you, yeah you're pretty big on the Indian Ocean Longboard Club and yeah yep. I've uh, well I just it's just a club that I've grown into and um, yep. and it's a, and it's a thing of uh, progression in life too I got to forty and I decided um, I wasn't enjoying surfing and mouse were there and one of the why, things why weren't you enjoying surfing at forty um, just because you started to lose physical uh, mm, a- maybe, ability or no maybe or just mentally yeah. mentally not being challenged as much. And it wasn't that I wasn't going out in bigger waves or anything like that. I just wasn't challenging myself enough. I went back and rode Mouse and realised that that's where I started yep. on the Mouse. I hadn't actually learnt when I was young to master a Mal, but I thought that it would be worthwhile trying to do it. Yeah, so for sure. moving your feet and... Yep. There's a graceful uh, dance that... I mean, anyone can ride a Mal... Yeah. But it's hard to ride one gracefully, like yes, doing that cross step and doing yeah. it all nice. But I mean, anyone can jump and shuffle yep. and and it's easy, but to make it look nice is, is an art form, man. Hanging 10 is the original manoeuvre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, it's a, and it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. So yeah. uh, it was a rediscovery for me in surfing. Yep. And, and that's led me um, 20 years. And then my next rediscovery was... Um, going back to single fins and yeah. and and going, you know what? I don't want to ride a thruster anymore, and I do occasionally, yep. but I just ride singles, and I just have rediscovered old surfboards and why they were made, and you know what they that, were made for. Yeah, what yeah. they were made for, and that's what I'm trying to do now. Is yeah, trying to. Well, let's talk about that. You've got a uh, a shed in Kawaramup Town Site, which is uh, about ten k's back from the beach, um, in the industrial area. There, I've been down there um, a few times uh, to either have a beer or to drop off some of my old single fins because I've got a bit of a single fin collection myself, and. Uh, and yeah, mate, you've just got the passion down there to fix them up. Uh, you've also got the knowledge to, you don't just fix them up. You bloody want to know the story of them and you want to find out. And mate, your shed looks awesome. I think we'll post a photo of that um, when this episode drops because it's a mate, it's pretty much a mini museum down there. You've got probably 100 boards hanging up. You've got old posters. You've got old magazines, old videos, and you've got an old falcon sitting in there. It's pretty much a surf museum, really, in, in a way, isn't it? As well as your workshop. So um, tell us a bit about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm 
I suppose I'm really lucky in that my missus doesn't care how many boards I own. <laughs> well, she doesn't. <laughs> she, she probably she doesn't, doesn't come know. out. She doesn't come out of the shed, does she, mate? Oh, well, that, that's why you she, built the she shed. She looks and she goes, "Is that a new one?" And I go, "No, nah, I've had that one for a while." And she's like, okay. <laughs> it's someone else's. They're just it's lending cool. it to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, she did. She did question me about shaping a new mouth for myself the other day, but um, yeah. we've we've got past that. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, I've just started collecting boards that I, uh, and I suppose my my prime time of boards was probably between seventy five and and eighty, and yep. the single fins from that era are just classic. I love them, and yeah, yeah, so do I. Totally. <laughs> They're totally rideable and totally relatable to today's way. And still relevant, yeah. Still, still totally relevant. Yep. Um, I do like boards from earlier eras. You know, the stringless models are crazy because that's just what were they thinking and <laughs> how did they think. Yeah. Um, and so that's another part of the collection. And then I do appreciate uh, modern boards. You know, I've got a couple from Yahoo's. My one of my favourite boards, or I think my favourite boards, are seven two single fin from Mark Ogram down there. Yeah, he's my local shaper. He's yeah. an absolute master craftsman. So shout master out to Oggy. Yep, yeah, he makes a mean craftsman. single fin. He makes all my single fins. So uh, I see a good board and yep. I like it, and that's it. Yeah, um, that's you, the deal. And you shape shape a bunch now yourself as well, just for fun. What are they? Sea pirate. So, uh, sea uh, captain, sea captain, sea captain, and uh, you got a logo on your single fin boards that I've always enjoyed. Uh, what, what was that logo there underneath that? Oh, single fin sex, single fin sex. When one, when f- when, when one fin excites, single fin sex. When one fin excites, that sounds like a good board to me, <laughs> Billy G. That's got true passion in it. I love it. Nah, it's a ripper. Thank you, man. Yeah, no, I've ridden uh, some of your boards, and uh, I think I've actually got one of your mals as well out there, yeah. and. I know your son Gibbo, who's a mate of mine. He rides them a lot, and um, yeah, no, it's mate. It's an unreal, uh, it's an unreal shed you've got there, and 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 the passion that you got for them. Not just because you like the boards, but I like how you want to look into the story of the board and find find out about it. And and more often than not, you you generally know some of that story behind it. So, mate, if anyone uh, in WA is out there and they have an old single fin. Uh, that they want to get restored and maybe want to find out a bit about. Uh, I couldn't recommend Billy enough. He's been fixing up my boards. That's providing Billy wants to work. I'm not sure that he does. I did recommend some one to you the other day. A guy called Brad, did he ever call you up? Uh, probably. He, he, he put something on there. He wanted to get it fixed up and find out something about it. And I had yeah. a chat to him. He's an old mate. And I'm like, Billy's your man for sure. Yeah. But anyway, he's fixed up. I'm looking at a couple on my floor right now that he's fixed up for me and uh mate i can't wait to give him a run at the next year's uh this year's single fin theory comp in yelling up which you you've been a stalwart at coming up uh to try to ruffle the feathers of the yelling up uh gang with uh with his son gibbo and you always bring up a stable of boards for everyone to ride you're, you're all about um just laying them out in the lawn and letting oh, everyone mate, have a go you gotta ride them yep. you gotta ride them you can't you can't polish them up and leave them on your wall no it's just it's not it's not the done thing <laughs> it, it's uh and I lend my boards out for a few contests during yeah, the year. You got the Margaret River Australia Margaret Day, River, Australia Day, single fin. And comp. I love watching people ride my boards. Yeah, it's sick. just, it's just, uh, it's almost as much enjoyment as riding them myself. Yep. Um, especially when you see 
you know. People like Taj take a friggin' your board out. You That's know? right, Taj Burrow, what, two uh, years ago, won, yeah, won the single took, fin comp on your board? And we were talking about Dapper before. Yeah. He's ta- he's riding one of Dapper's was boards. It? Okay, there you go. I remember that year, just, Taj was ripping, obviously. Just took it apart. Just yeah. took it apart. And you just go and. That board has never done anything like that in its life before. <laughs> 40 and years that board has never drew those old, lines you know? before, has it? But it's, it drew them yeah. all the way to the victory. Yeah, yeah that's epic. And, mate, um, your son, Gibbo, obviously, you're a Gibbo, he's a Gibbo, he's a mate of mine. Um, uh, he has a daughter who surfs very well, Arabelle. How old is she now? She's 18. Yeah, and I saw just last week... Uh, you uh, you taught her how to shape her first board. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, that's been a buzz. Um, so her birthday was not so long ago, and yep. uh, Dad bought her a blank for her birthday. <laughs> oh, nice one, Dad. Uh, you taught us. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, um, and I'm not sure how much enthusiasm was there was for it at the first place or, but uh, look, she was keen. Yep, and um, she surfs very well. Oh, she she's like great. goes in state comps great. and stuff, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, you know, she's she's up there. It's probably not going to be a world beater, but she surfs really well. Yeah. you know, like kills it. Um, and uh, and so she wanted she she's got in there, and we've thrown some foam, and she's got the planer out and cut, used the saw, used the planer, glassed the board. Yeah, sprayed uh, it. No, we did a swirl. Oh yeah, uh, we did a resin swirl on the on the deck. Yeah, cool. And clear bottom. What sort of board? Uh, it is a five eight twenty. Oh yeah. All right, and that's the other funny thing about it was that uh, when she came out, she's like she's classic teenager. She's like, Dad, I'm not going to shape anything that you want. <laughs> and it's not what Granddad wants. It's what I want. Yeah. And I said. What do you want? Yeah, probably <laughs> doesn't know. Like, what do you want? What do you want? And she's yeah. going, I, I think a, a 20. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, okay. A little fish 20, you know? Yeah. So we've come up with a little 5'8 fish 20. Yeah. Uh, 20 inches wide. Uh, two and a half. Yeah. Which is, you know, hard, for, hard work for me. And old bloke. Yeah. Getting that much out of a blank. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, it looks good, yep. and uh, it's going up to Nalu for its first waves, so wow. that's insane. Yeah, cool. Well, mate, pretty epic experience being able to pass that skill on, and obviously you shape that up in your in your little semi-quasi-museum shed uh, surfboard fixing uh, operation you got there. Um, so, yeah, pretty cool experience to be able to do that with your granddaughter, you know, shape and glass a board together and, and then have her ride it. So, yeah, not many granddads get to do that with their granddaughters i'm tipping oh look it's it's it is special i don't think uh yeah there's too many grandfathers that would get an 18 year old to sit with them for three or four hours and (laughs) um and listen to you you know so i was uh i was and you know i her hand skills were very good i was surprised how how good her hand skills were when she cut with a saw it was reasonably straight. When she used the <laughs> planer, it, it rolled beautifully in her hand. Um, I'm a left-hander and I get shit flying all over me because all tools are made for right-handed people. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, she is uh, 
she just holds the plane really, really well. So oh, awesome. I was uh, I was impressed. Oh, that sounds cool. All right, mate. Well, let's just um, we've been going a while, but uh, let's just jump back in time a little bit before we wrap it up, um, mate. Uh, your son Gibbo tipped me off that um, you were possibly involved in some early Jack McCoy movies, like maybe Bunyip Dreaming, Green Iguana, any of them? Did you were you did you help out with any of those runs up north or down uh, south or only, anything? Only in cooking. <laughs> only in cooking? Only in cooking. So you were part, sort of part driving of... driving cars. Oh, so you, you did go on some of those runs, uh, did you, in some yeah, of those movies? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. with Jack a few times. Uh, for, And Jack was around here for a while. Yep, Jack so, McCoy, yeah, the Jack filmmaker. McCoy. Yep. yeah. And so, any any funny moments there that you, any dirt uh, that may or may not have happened nah, on any of those guys? Oki was always a character. Oki's a character. Yeah, but I missed out on that because I I did another trip. I went. Dean had doubled up, and I yep. took another car somewhere else. So so Jack McCoy and Oki were part of West Coast Surf Safaris, were they? Yeah, 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 yeah right. Took okay, up as well. Yeah, right. So, okay. Um, yeah, Oki did the trip with him. Yeah, I didn't do. Oh well, I did another trip. At the same time, different place. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, so, um, so some of those iconic Jack McCoy movies, you were, you were on the fringe, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. close, yeah. close. Um, and yeah, I know Jack well. Yep. Um, yeah, sort of, yeah, good guy and he's yep. around here for a while. No funny hockey stories that you were personally involved nah, in? Nah, oh, oh, yeah. Dean tipped his friggin' inflatable over at the, one of the Masters at one year. At the Margaret River Masters? Yeah, yeah. I can't, and I don't know, I think Hockey was involved somewhere in there. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, no, nah, I couldn't. Nothing off the bat. Yeah, that's cool. All right, mate. Well, um, what about um, South Oz? You did a bit of surfing down there. Um, yeah, uh, I've done a little bit of surfing down there. I, yep. do, I went down early or mid 70s. Yep. Um, Cactus was pretty raw then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was pretty popular in in a sense, wasn't it? Oh uh, was yeah, the Witsies had been there, and I mean, yeah, Rob Keneally and a, boy, a few of the boys from the south here are still frequent um, um, cactus and that. Yeah, it's a more great than, spot. More than they do going north, you know. Yeah, they'll, right. They'll go to cactus rather than they go to the bluff, you know. Yeah, right. This year's been a bit of a tricky Stomp. one yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh yeah most of the boys there's a lot of the boys down to do that south run and there was some uh there was some pretty wild uh guys living in the cactus surrounds back in those days i'm crazy I'm tipping crazy tell us a bit about them uh yeah well i grew up with um i grew up with the, the hawley brothers phil and shane hawley they both passed away shane's passed away in the last year phil Phil passed away a number of years ago. He lived at Cactus for quite a while. Which is tough going. If people don't know, Cactus is yeah. Yeah, right was, out in the yeah, middle yeah, of nowhere, he, eight hours or something, ten hours from Adelaide, <clears throat> in the desert, just in the in the Nullarbor Plain. Yep. It's uh, it's sharky, it's desert, it's just a wild well, I'll tell, place. I'll tell you how it? sharky. Um, uh, Phil... Phil's nickname was Sharkbait. Was it? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't say. And oh, it's not a he name got want. attacked at um, Castles one day. Outside Castles. Outside yeah. Castles. Yep. And he was uh, rushed into Sejuna 
Yep. And he got about 150 stitches down one leg. Wow. And came back and built a house, had a couple of kids. Yeah. Um, and then rode himself off on the way back from Penong Pump one night and fucking that was the end of Phil. Really? In yeah, a car? In a car. Well, so, they always say that but, you you're know, more, more likely to have a car accident than being attacked by a shark. Cat nine lives. Cat yeah, nine lives. Sounds like he had both the poor bugger. Oh, yeah, right. But yeah. He, yeah it's, have you, you ever been involved with any shark attacks? Or? No, no. I, no. No, that's no, good. But I've <laughs> seen them. I've seen them close enough. And yep. Cactus is one of the places that um, attracts some friggin' big fish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've surfed there a couple of times, and yeah, yeah, it's it's a scary feeling that whole South Oz, isn't it? it yeah, yeah. Even though it's sort of oh, like, feels I'm, like that now here, yeah, but as I well. I mean, I mean, they're there, they're there, and yep. you got to just be a little bit aware and cross your fingers. Uh, cross your fingers, and you know, just be aware. Just try and feel the ocean, feel the ocean. You know, yep. just look for the birds and yeah, do the do the bait balls and yeah. It's yep. an Omi thing, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. It's friggin', you know, you know when it's right and it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, mate, you told us about uh, one of your mates there, Sharkbait. Tell me more about some of the other characters out there back in the day. As uh, Cactus in the 70s was extremely isolated and uh, you could stay hidden out there for decades if you wanted to from yeah. uh, anyone. Yeah, yeah. I know. Everybody wanted to uh, chase Nirvana or disappear from the law. Um, and one of the guys, I suppose, he wasn't from Cactus or over there east or anything, but uh, he came with me. He decided at the last moment that he wanted to come over east with me. So you're going on a cactus run? And yeah, I'm going on a cactus. Oh, well, I'm going. I'm going around Australia. So, and, and this uh, may or may not have happened, Billy. Oh yeah, may or no, may not have happened. Could he be, was uh, could be a fabrication. Yeah, for yeah. The he was uh, enjoyment. He was running around <laughs> Perth, um, doing all sorts of things that he probably shouldn't have been doing, <laughs> and getting into all sorts of trouble. And at the time, he was in a fair bit of trouble. And he said to me about a week before I left. Hey Billy, you got a you got a spare spot, and I was taking you know it was me and my missus, and he says yeah I got to I got to go, so I've decided. <laughs> so uh, some bad guys I've decided, after him, uh, the police is after which him. Which is I don't know whether it's a good decision or a bad decision, <laughs> but anyway I've said yeah yeah Steve there's there's a spot there mate jump in the car yeah and so uh, and we've got we've got. Uh, uh, Cactus and he's just calmed right down. And the good part about it, he just had, you know, he was stocked. So <laughs> <laughs> he was totally stocked. Yeah, good. So you uh, when you're on the run, yeah, we, yeah. he was uh, on the run, but he was stocked. Yeah. So we, we had a we had a damn good time at Cactus. It yeah. was great. Did he know? bring his own board? Uh, yeah, he bought his own board. He couldn't yeah. surf much. He was not a great surfer, but he was, uh, he was there more for the disappearing. He, act yeah, than anything. it was just he was a good mate at the time, mate, and you, and you just uh, you want to you want to help out where you can. So I did. Yeah. And uh, anyway, he's uh, he was yeah disappearing from the law, and I I realised that a lot of cactus, a lot of people at cactus were either there because they didn't want 
do anything to do with society or yeah. they were disappearing from the law. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. just one of those places. So oh, mate, it still feels like that now. I reckon yeah. you could still disappear out there now, but yeah. man, in the seventies, yeah. people wouldn't find you for 10, 20 years out that's there. Right. If you, yeah, that's right. If not the rest of your life. So that's right. You whilst know. having perfect waves at the same time. Happy days. That's it. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's classic, mate. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So you had some good runs back there. And did you do much international travel or um surf no, wise? I've done um I've done Indonesia a few times, a couple yep. of times. In the earlier days? In the early days. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh yeah, too before um there was anything on the hillside there. Yep. Just a couple of Osmonds. And yeah, good surf around there. Nusidura and around that side. So just Bali predominantly? Just Bali. You didn't you didn't need to travel back then, I guess, no, did you? It was no, all there. Just plenty plenty of waves on Bali and you know, there wasn't late seventies it was pretty uncrowded. And you were uh, you were on the hippie trail there a bit, were yeah, you? Yeah, pretty a hippie trail. Yep. Yeah, up disappeared in the mountains for a few mushies or yep. something. Try to know. reach enlightenment. Yeah. Did you find it? No. Looks like you have. You look yeah, pretty happy. I'm enlightened every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic. So, yeah, good times. And uh, and then, then you had a family, obviously, uh, late 70s, 78, because that's the uh, same year 78, that yeah. I'm born, and that's how I became mates with your son. And, yeah. um, and uh, did that sort of put a hamper on those sort of Indonesian travels, did it? Or? Uh, no, I didn't, Not really. go, I didn't go back to the 90s. You know, yep. Um, and it it didn't attract me. I wasn't. It, di- I wasn't it didn't that, blow your mind like yeah, most no, people no, went to Indo in those no, years no. and just was like, that's it. They became Indo warriors. What, I'm what, not why sure didn't, why? why didn't it? Whether it's the culture or the, uh, and I'm not. It's just not one of my favourite places to travel in the world. I've yep. been in New Zealand. Um, I've been to Europe. I've been yep. up through England and Scotland and through there. I've been through Spain and Italy. Um, Surfing or... Uh, sur- some places. Yep. I've surfed in Spain, Zeruz yep. and um, around Mandaka and yep. around there. But you, uh, just, you just weren't overly attracted to Indonesia despite no, the Indonesia perfection of the waves. No, attracted me. And look, uh, to be real, I reckon we've got what Indonesia's got in the northwest here. Yeah. I yep. just... I just it maybe not the lush tropical situation with a hotel sitting on the corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the situation where you've got one of the best waves in the world. Yeah, that's right. S- sitting there in front of you. Yep. Just reeling, you know. It just it, it can't be faulted. And then, no. I mean, there's other places that are exactly like that. On, yeah. In yep. the world. Yes. But yeah. that one suits. There's, there's me. not many better. There's not one. I've always better. said that uh, that up there. Um, you know, there's waves around the world that are as good, but mm. waves just don't get any better than no. a couple of those ones up. They're just that good. Yeah, yeah. That like, yeah, there's millions of waves around the world. Maybe not millions, but there's a lot that are, are just as good, but they're they're not better. I mean, that's when you get no, five no. barrels on a wave, that's pretty well as good as it gets. Isn't it? Oh, it's great. And yeah. it, and you know, you, when you're saying that too, in that the it's another attraction of what's out there is that. No two waves are exactly the same. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you're going to get another left-hander that's almost like that, but not quite like that. That's not going to have the bubble in the right, in the same section. It's, yeah, yeah. It's going to have no. It's going to have something different about it. You know, um, you've just surfed Yardy. You know. Yeah. It's like this hook in the wave. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the ripper. You know. Yeah. So you're just surfing into that hook all the time, and yeah, 
it took me back when you said that it just took me back 20 years or 30 years the yep. last time i surfed yardy yeah and i kept on going wow this thing is unreal to go up to you know it's yeah surfing into a hook yeah you know? yeah it's and, pretty but it it's not dissimilar from from nalu in the way it reels off you yeah yeah but same same but different but different different <laughs> you know totally which is different. what it's all so, about isn't yeah. it unreal all right mate well that's pretty good. Well, um, mate, I reckon we're probably getting to the end of the run here. So, yeah. well, uh, just while we're finishing out, um, what are some of uh, you say your favourite three or four surfers over the expanse of your time that really um, sort of ring your bell in, in your memory banks as to you know for, for different reasons, I- including anyone right up to this day and age, going back to whenever. Throw a couple of names out and why. Um. Well, okay. I, I saw. I, I was. I was lucky enough to see the best surfers in the world in my time, which are probably I would. I would rate them being Ian Cairns, um, Wayne Lynch, and Michael Peterson. And I saw them in their own waves, in their own space, and they all incredible, incredible. And at the time, I thought each one of them was the best surfer in the world. Um, and as you watch over the years, you see um, a lot of surfers that um, are maybe not as dynamic, but they're just as they've left such a, uh, an impression in your brain. Yep. And you know, I I think way back. At people like Glenn Lance, who was around about the same time as Kansy. Yep. And Glenn had the cleanest tube stance and tube riding ability that you could ever imagine, you know. I can't think of another person that turned as well in the tube as what he did in the early 70s. And where was he from? He was from Capel. Yeah, right, from Capel. From Capel. He's yeah, okay. still probably sailing around in a boat somewhere around the place, but he he's in the same league as as Lynchy, you know. Yep. And then when you go to other places in Victoria, there's probably a couple of other surfers in Victoria that impressed me. As, and I can't think of them at the moment, but it's like it's like there's the best surfer out there, yep. you know, like you looking at Canty, and then you, but then there's this. One that's off the side that's just like not as dynamic. Yep. But he's got some other sort of mojo going on that's connected to the wave and the ocean and the style. So you 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 watch people and you enjoy their style, you know. So I suppose over time, and I and and the modern one that I see is I've and I've watched a fair bit of him growing up is um, Jack Robinson. Yep. And um. And if he can keep his shit together, he'll be he'll be a world beater for sure. You know? He will, yeah. Um, so it's just up to him whether he's he's there or not. Um, I mean, it's always hard to pick three surfers when you're my age, let alone going back to all those eras. Uh, you know that you've got as well. Yeah. So yeah, no, there's some mate, in the middle. You, there, know, you can't just you can't just you know? go black and white. Yeah, these three. That's that's fair enough. You know. Yeah, this, yeah. Uh, like, but it's yeah, good to I, see I, an insight I, into. You appreciate you know? the way that Mick McAuliffe rode tubes you know he put, had a stomp yeah. you, you go sean thompson okay sean thompson's on the world tour yep 
and used his front foot like unbelievably in, yep. when tube riding. To weave through the tube. To weave through the tube. Mick McAuliffe yep. on our own coast, yep. exactly the same thing. Yep. He had a front foot that was buried a foot from the nose of the board, yep. quite a wide stance and steering through the tube. Is that why yeah. he was nicknamed Stomper? No. No? Why is he nicknamed Stomper? Uh, I think it's a, a long lost... Uh, I think he uh, snapped in a public cubi- cubicle and um, stomped it down the hole. He <laughs> <laughs> so he took a dump. This may or may not have happened. Yes, may or yeah. may not have happened. Yeah. That's the story that Is I've that been right? told. So he uh, took, uh, a, took a crap but I always in a urinal and it wouldn't go down because the urinal was obviously for pissing in and uh, he stomped it in, did he? He stomped it in. Wow, that's fantastic. That's I've known him a long time. Fantastic surfer. Always assumed it was from his stomping big drops and barrels, but there you go. Well, <laughs> it could be too. Could be, could be, yep. yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, same, same deal. So there's those, uh, those comparisons, <laughs> comparisons between the best surfers in the world yep. and ones you know locally. Yeah, you know, that's right. And yep. you know, Taco. Yeah. You know, uh, I've seen him do the cutbacks out here that are so sweet. Yeah. yeah. Ant Man. Ant Man. Freaking hell. Legend. Gee, Just the biggest legend charger stuff, ever. You know. Yeah. So I don't know where you, where you start with the best surfer and the yeah it's hard it's a hard call for me I I don't I wouldn't like to call it no well that's good you've you've given an answer anyway and yeah. that's covered a few spectrums so that's good so just finally um, any sort of extremely memorable sessions that really jump out at you um, over the years is there any like one or two sessions that have just burnt themselves into your brain that you scored somewhere and, and where were they oh, I think the I think the best ones I've scored at probably at Nalu you know and they burn into your brain because you uh, they're just a reoccurring dream <laughs> and uh, living the dream living the dream yeah, yeah. so just uh, Probably just all blend into one and the amount of trips oh, the you've blend, done up there. The blends, there's, there's a few blenders, but, you know, I do travel up there each year and, like I say, I'm pushing 65 now. So, yep. Um, and I do think to myself, how long can I keep on going getting one of these things, you know? And yep. I do plan each year to at least get one, you know, where you can come out of a barrel and say, yeah, I've... I've been there and yep. come out, you come know, out, yep. and it it doesn't touch me. You yeah, know? <laughs> it's not like a cover up shit. Yeah, yeah. It's just like yeah, you want a, a clean one, one you know? clean proper deep one. So uh, it's still happening. Yep. Um, and the dream remains in my brain for another year. Yeah, until I go up there again, and with a little bit of luck, in between time. Yeah. You score. Uh, a wave uh, in between, and yeah, it's uh, it's a bonus. Yeah, unreal. Well, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Billy. I'm sure there's plenty more stories uh, that we got out of the bank, but we got a couple out of you, um, mate. It's it's been. I'm stoked you came on, and uh, to all those listeners out there, I'm I'm 42 myself, and just for the record, my first ever surf down south was. Uh, at the hands of Billy Gibson. I, I met his son at school in Perth and came down for the school holidays and, and Billy picked us up and, and took us down and I was riding a bodyboard and took us to Gracetown and uh, I remember, mate, after coming from Perth, they were the biggest waves I'd ever seen in my life and it was just this little kiddies break called Huzzers and I was looking at it just shit myself going, oh, mate, they're the biggest swells I've ever seen. 
And I remember you driving us out there and giving us strict instructions. You grommets, make sure you stay here at Huzzers. I'm going over there to surf South Point and you're not allowed to come over there. And I just remember looking at South Point, this big left hand appealing down this rocky headland and I just was shitting myself. And I thought, <laughs> I just, there's no way. I don't want anything to do with that bloody point break over there. And I was so scared that I was going to get sucked off the little kiddies break I was on and sucked out into that uh, South Point wave. And, mate, I was terrified. It was fantastic. Uh, obviously, I liked it because I kept coming back. So thanks for taking me for my first ever surf down south, Billy, and putting up with us little froth and grommets staying in your house. And um, I'm sure you've done it for lots of people. But, mate, um, surf on. You're still surfing all these years. you still got the passion. You're fixing boards. You're out there surfing. Your son's surfing. Your granddaughter's surfing. You're in the Indian Ocean Longboard Club. You come up to the Yelling Up Single Fin comp. We've got the Margaret River Classic going. You're still a massive part of the WA surf culture, and we all thank you for that. Um, mate, I look forward to hanging out with you, surfing, drinking a beer, smoking a fatty, hanging out in the grass, and just uh, living it up. Um, anything you'd like to leave us with? Any parting words of wisdom? How do you keep surfing until you're 65, Billy? Oh, God. Jeez. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just don't keep stop. Them. Don't stop. Or don't stop. Gets too hard to get back into it. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Don't stop. Two or three times a week at least. Yep. Sweet. And, uh, yeah, more if you can. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right. Well, thanks heaps for coming in. Billy Gibson, you've been listening to Barreled Surf Podcast and uh, that'll do for now. Hope you're all well. Stay well and keep surfing. All right. Over and out. You.